Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent from FT Money and I'm here with my colleague Steve Lodge. Hello. And Richard Anderson. Hello. Good to see you both again and together we'll be bringing you the weekly financial lowdown in downloadable form. Um, So Richard, what have we got coming up in this week's programme? Coming up we have split capital investment trusts, if you remember them. We look at whether it's now safe to buy back into their shares. We also have private medical insurance, should you rely on a policy or an NHS hospital. And finally, we have some good news and bad news for credit card holders. Thanks, Richard. And uh, do remember, you can send in your financial questions for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. But first, this week's money news. Now, if you remember last week, we looked at the fallout from the banking crisis. And this week, there are more rumours of a takeover bid for Northern Rock. There have been some accusations that some lenders have been mis-selling subprime mortgages and also uh, mis-selling payment protection policies on mortgages, loans and credit cards. Steve, the banking sector is never a dull place these days, is it? No, indeed, Matthew. The Northern Rock saga continues. Shares jumped this week on hopes of a rescue bid. The autumn dividend was scrapped. Uh, So bad news for shareholders who have hung on. Um, And on the consumer side, never mind the trouble for investors, on the consumer side, um, there are accusations that our good old friends, the banks, are overselling, misselling this loan insurance. This this covers you if you're sick or lose your job and can't keep up your payments on personal loans and credit cards. Yeah, the the FSA um, put out a report this week, didn't they, saying that the banks weren't giving customers enough information to judge whether or not policies were suitable or how long they covered them for or what they cover them for, but they've, um, they haven't they have stopped the selling of them. They're, it's continuing, isn't it? Oh, indeed. This is very profitable insurance um, for, for banks and other companies, to be fair, to sell, credit card companies um, and other financial organisations. Whether it's good value is a different matter. These, these policies are notoriously riddled with catches, the length of time before you can make a claim, the limits on the claim, what situation you have to be in before you can actually make a successful claim. Traditionally, people have talked about uh, the self-employed not being able to make claims on these policies, for example. There are definitions around unemployment, for example. Did you leave your job or were you made redundant? All in all, it can be that people think they're covered, but actually they find they're stretched to pay these loans when they're at the most vulnerable and can't get a payout at all or can't get a payout for a deferred period of time. And as you say, these are quite expensive policies as well. I was looking at some of the figures for the worst uh, examples of these policies. If you're borrowing 
£10,000 over five years on a, a personal loan, you could pay over £4,000 just in insurance yes. premiums. So yes. uh, I guess the message is look really carefully before you take one out. Look really carefully and shop around. There are independent policies that are a whole lot cheaper. The difference between the most expensive and the least expensive is a significant multiple. So what you really shouldn't do is fall for that sales pattern from your credit card company when you take out the card to also take out every other added extra. It may be worth it, but it may also be worth looking around and seeing if you can get it elsewhere, or indeed whether it's worth it at all. So don't get pressured into it. Thanks very much indeed, Steve. Still to come in the show, the pros and cons of private medical insurance and some good news and bad news on credit cards. But first, the zero-dividend preference shares of split capital investment trusts. Um, Richard, can you sort of untangle that tongue twister for us and remind us exactly what these investments are? (laughs) They are a bit of a mouthful, yes. Um, Zeros are basically just a share class issued by split capital investment trusts. And they are intended to deliver a predetermined return when they reach maturity. So they're very good for long-term financial planning. Lots of people use them for for school fees and such like. The problem was uh, they imploded, basically, post-2000 when the market crashed. They all plummeted in value and zero holders were, were left very badly out of pocket. But now markets have recovered and the remaining zeros that are still around are actually offering very good redemption yields, as well as being covered against market falls. So we asked John McLeod to phone Peter Hewitt, manager of FNC's Progressive Growth Fund, to find out more. Well, Peter, um, the zeros market appears to be offering quite attractive yields right now, so could you explain why that is, please? That's a good question, uh, John. And the yield on the gross redemption yield on progressive growth um, the, the fund I run that invests in this market is currently as high as 9.4% per annum. And so that should be indicative of the future returns over the next year. Why has it gone up so much over the last <laughs> six to nine months? And I think the answer probably lies with bond yields because most of the zeros in the portfolio are very highly covered and that means they are much less sensitive to movements in the equity market but i think they have become more sensitive to what has been going on in bond markets and so maybe yields have moved out in tandem with corporate bond yields over the last (laughs) six to nine months and as such, I think, are offering some quite attractive returns. And the, you, you mentioned that asset cover had gone up, so does that mean that these yields are quite, are quite secure? Absolutely. Um, and that's the interesting point, is a GRY of 9.4% per annum for the fund. At the same time, the asset cover for the portfolio as a whole, that's taking all the zeros together, is currently about 1.6 times, which means you've got more than enough assets to comfortably pay out the zeros uh, for their full redemption value. The interesting thing is the last time the gross redemption yield of the fund was over 9% was over three and a bit years ago in the summer of 2004. And at that time, the asset cover on the fund was only 1.1 times. And that's important because the financial security 
then was a lot less than it currently is now, where you could have quite a substantial fall in equity markets and zeros would still pay out their full redemption value. So it's an interesting contrast. Your return is as great as it was then, and yet your financial security is immeasurably better. Okay. And so you, you can invest directly into zeros, or you can invest through, through, through a fund such as yours. I mean, could you explain how the return would differ at that place? Well, you can do that. You can buy zeros directly yourself, but there maybe are a couple of advantages in considering a fund in this area of the market. First point is you have a much lower risk because we've got about 30 different holdings as opposed to a single holding, and there's always risk when you own just one share. We have a variety of different maturity dates in the portfolio from the very short term, next six months or so, to some zeros which don't wind up for seven or eight years. Whereas if you own an individual zero, you are hostage to when that zero winds up, which may or may not be convenient for the holder. So having a fund also in an area of the market that isn't that well known, and so the fund manager can actually hopefully add some value um, with his research and holdings. Okay. And the, the zeros market seems to be shrinking a bit in a wake of a splits crisis, seem to be less than being issued. But um, I mean, is the market, are there enough offers for you to invest in? Um, I think there are, yes. Um, but there is no doubt that the market has declined in size. There's probably about 30 to 35 investable issues at the moment, um, but the market has declined in size in recent years. However, we did get an, a new issue over the summer, which is quite a sizable one from Utilico, who raised £75 million from issuing two zeros with different maturity dates. And so the market isn't dead. It could revive. Um, I suppose much depends on the overall health of the equity market for for that one. And there are also these synthet synthetic zeros which you can buy into. Yes, you can. And synthetic zeros have definitely picked up the slack a bit, whilst uh, traditional zeros have declined. Um, synthetic zeros have all the characteristics that you you see in the traditional marketplace. But but they have. There's been more of them have been issued, and I expect there'll be more in the future. They offer some interesting returns, and currently they also are very safe and and quite attractive. Peter, thank you very much for your help with that. That was John McLeod talking to Peter Hewitt at FNC. And for more on zero dividend preference shares, see this week's FT Money out on Saturday, 29th of September. Coming up, we have good news and bad news for credit card users. Before that, though, private medical insurance. Um, Steve, uh, what's been happening here? Yes, Matthew, new policies which supposedly make going private uh, a better deal, more attractive. So despite the government's pledge to improve standards, ongoing pledges to improve standards, um, we took a look at whether paying for your medical needs, whether that's now the best policy. Ellen Kelleher of FT Money asked Prue Health about the pros and cons of their new offering. We have here Dave Priestley, who is the sales director at Prue Health. Dave, can you 
explain why private medical insurance has become so popular in the UK? Sure. I think after quite a number of years where the product has really remained very much the same and, and people have, I guess, come to see um, limited value in the proposition, I think for the first time in a long time, there's now um, increasing value for the customer in some of the new products on the market. And, and obviously with our own product, what we try and do is incorporate additional value by helping our customers to get and stay healthy by giving them significant discounts with partner organizations such as health and fitness clubs like Canons, LA Fitness, Virgin Active, so that they can not only benefit from the highest quality of insurance cover, but equally benefit from substantial discounts um, from those sorts of partner companies and ultimately reductions in premiums going forward. Do your policies, in addition to gym memberships, what else do your policies cover? What we try and do is provide our customers with a, a broad range of health and wellness benefits and services so that um, they can engage in a healthy lifestyle, not just through exercise, which is obviously an important factor, uh, but through other programs such as education. So through the website, we provide a lot of self-help um, articles and, and medical information. Health screening, which is a critical part of understanding how healthy you are so that you can then choose to do the right things to improve your health. Um, smoking cessation programs, so we have a partnership with Alan Carr, whereby our customers get more than a half price reduction on smoking cessation sessions. And also um, nutrition partners, so we have established a brand new partnership with Sainsbury's, whereby our customers will benefit by purchasing fresh fruit and vegetables from Sainsbury's store. So there's a, there's a holistic approach to helping our customers access a broad range of, of health and wellness benefits in addition to the, the, the good quality health insurance that they'll, they'll get with us as well. So what do you think that people gain from buying private medical insurance that they wouldn't get from the NHS? I think the two key um, purchasing criteria, if you like, that, that always come to the fore revolve around um, fast, immediate access to care where typically there may be a delay in accessing treatment on the NHS. We know there's been some improvement in NHS performance, but not significant enough. I mean, people still, on average, have to wait up to six months for, um, for many treatments, and, and that's simply not quick enough. So that fast and immediate access is, is a key priority for people. Over and above that, people obviously um, need to be confident that they're going to be in a facility which is clean um, and you know, well-supported, well-staffed with the latest technology and facilities, and obviously the private sector is able to invest in that kind of service. So those are the sort of traditional purchasing reasons. But I think increasingly, as we've found, consumers are getting more sophisticated in, in their purchasing process and they want to see some financial value in the product that they buy as well. And that's why what we do is we recognize the efforts people make to get healthy and reward them by reducing their premiums going forward. So if one of our customers engages with what we call our vitality program, which incorporates our health and wellness partners, and, and actively makes attempts to live a healthier lifestyle, if you ally that with low claims or, or no claims, we'll then effectively reimburse them for the premiums that they've paid in previous years, such that that provides a, a significant discount for future premiums. So can you give us some sense of what an average premium would be for a middle-aged man or a middle-aged woman? Um, I think, I mean, it, it, it varies, um, but um, I would say on average we'd expect people to be paying something from um, maybe 40 to 60 pounds per month 
and, and I guess that's, you know, that's a significant investment for people. So, you know, again, what, what we try and do is say to people, well, if you engage with our vitality program, reach our sort of higher what we call vitality statuses, then we'll potentially be able to give you all of that money back as a reduction off your future premiums if you haven't claimed. Do you have any sense of how popular it is for Brits to go abroad for medical care and look for insurance policies that allow them to do that? Um, I think there's, there's some signs of that happening. I don't think it's happening to a significant extent such that it impacts people's purchasing of private medical insurance. But certainly there are opportunities to do that now. We know travel is easier. We know that certainly in, in parts of Europe access is very quick to certain treatments. So that's certainly an option that's become much more viable for people, although we don't necessarily believe that's happening on a significant scale as yet. And Prue Health hasn't been in the market very long, has it? We've launched in October 2004, so we're coming up to our third, year, third anniversary. And how many customers do you now have? We cover just uh, approaching 140,000 um, people on our, on our products. Around about 2,500 um, company schemes are included within that. That was Ellen Kelleher of FT Money uh, talking to Prue Health. And for more on those insurance policies, have a look at this week's FT Money uh, out on Saturday 29th of September. And finally today, it's good news, bad news. But before we look at this week's good and bad news, Richard, you've got an update on uh, last week's bad news about the interest paid on current accounts. I do, yes. We were talking about First Direct's decision to no longer pay any interest on current accounts, which seemed slightly bizarre. And we simply mentioned that actually in practice it probably didn't make that much difference, simply because most current accounts pay out very little. Since then, Money Experts has actually come out and done some research, and as it turns out, 40% of current accounts pay less than 0.1%, which is as good as nothing. So again, just to stress the point we made last week, you really do need to check what you're paying and uh, move elsewhere. Richard, good advice as ever. Um, And Steve, this week credit card uh, users, credit card customers have had... Some good news, some bad news. What's the, what's the bad? The bad news is half a million Barclays card customers have seen their credit limits reduced in a continuing review of Barclays looking at ongoing spending. This is all related to the credit crunch and fears of who you've lent money to and whether you should continue lending as much as you have done. Um, in addition, we've heard there is a figure that they're rejecting half of all applications. And so, I mean, we can expect this to continue across the industry um, as, as, as the fallout from the credit crunch continues. This is going to directly affect personal borrowers. So if you're in the half of those customers who are able to get hold of a credit card, um, is there some good news in terms of payment technology? Well, there is. It, um, incidentally, it's Barclay Card again. Coincidentally, it's Barclay Card again. Um, but they've brought out the first so-called contactless credit card. Um, now, this is also called tap-and-go technology. This is a bit like your Oyster card if you're in London, or it might be a bit like a security pass at work. So you can pay for small transactions simply by touching your card against a reader in a shop, in certain shops currently, of course. Um, One good news is it's potentially convenient, but two, interestingly, the onus on proving that you made transactions will be on the bank. So if you do have any fears about they're going to put through 10 Starbucks coffees or whatever. When you get your statement, check your statement. If you don't recognise anything, ring up your bank and say, I didn't buy 10 Starbucks coffees, I didn't even buy one that day. The bank will almost certainly have to refund you. So you can just touch and go, take your coffee and not worry about 
the payment being duplicated. Indeed, exactly. So, so no need to worry about the inevitable, you might say, teething problems of the technology. Well, that's a, that's a first, I think. The bank's uh, taking responsibility for the new technology and not blaming customers. Steve, that sounds very good indeed. And that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Do remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me as well. And it's goodbye from our podcast producers, Blue Barracuda. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.